the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. The Healing Word Program is a ministry of the Largo Community Church, where Christ is honored and people are loved. You're invited to join us in worship via live streaming this Sunday morning at either 9 o'clock or 11 o'clock. Visit LargoCC.org and click on Watch Live. Why did God take hold of you? How do you need to take hold of Christ? What are you doing to take hold of Christ? I mean consistently doing. Friend, that's our spiritual net worth. Psalm 107, verse 20. He sent his word and healed them. Welcome to The Healing Word, a radio ministry of the Largo Community Church. Here's Pastor Jack Morris with today's message that will grow your faith in God and lead you to a closer walk with Jesus. Socrates, he was born 470 years before Christ, a Greek philosopher from Athens. And he made a statement way back then. It's still relevant to this day. The statement is only two words. You know what they are, anybody? Know thyself. I wish I'd have thought of that. I'd have gone down in history. (laughs) Know thyself. Back then, people just don't know, and neither do I think they know today, who we are, particularly Christians in Christ, what we have. We wouldn't be so passive and nonchalant about our Christian testimony if we really knew what Christ has done for us and who we are in Christ, our spiritual worth. But our our monetary net worth is the value of everything we own minus our debts. We calculate everything we own, then we calculate our debts, and when we get the figure for our debts, we put it under everything we own, our values, subtract it, and that's, that's our net worth. Well, how about our spiritual net worth? Everything we own in Christ. Why, we own eternal life. Can you imagine that gift? Salvation, eternal life. But we own Jesus now because he owns us, bought us with his precious blood. We own the power of prayer. We own the church and Christian fellowship. We own the presence of Jesus with us always. Oh, I could go on and on down the list. You've heard it before. What we own, we are so rich in Jesus. Now, we calculate all of that, and then we go over and we look to bring up our debts, and there aren't any debts because Jesus paid the bill. He paid the debt for us, and we are new people in the Lord without any debt whatsoever. There's nothing to subtract We have gained it all. Now, this is what Paul is talking about here in Philippians chapter 3. And if you have your Bible, open it, because I want to do a little bit of reading 
This is more than I'm going to be able to cover today. Uh, perhaps we'll get to it later on in the weeks to come. Uh, this book of Philippians, uh, it, it has stirred me like no other book in the whole Bible. But uh, look at these verses. Look at verse 12. I'm going to read it. Not that I have already obtained all of this. What, what is he talking about? What hasn't he obtained all of this? Okay, let's go back to verse 10. He'll tell us what he hasn't obtained. He said, I want to know Christ and the power of his resurrection, number one. The fellowship of his suffering, number two. Becoming like him in his flesh, number three. And number four, somehow to attain the resurrection of the dead. Paul is saying, I'm a Christian. I'm an instrument of God in writing most of the New Testament. But I'm not there yet spiritually. There's opportunity for me to grow and I want to grow. I want to learn more. I want to hear what the Bible has to say and what Jesus is speaking. I want it to come back. I want to remember. Here the Apostle Paul is admitting that there is room for growth. Now, now who is as spiritual as the Apostle Paul among any of God's people anywhere? And he is saying, I want to know Christ. He knew him as Savior, obviously. But there were things about Jesus that he didn't know. Friend, I'm talking about your spiritual worth. What do you know about Jesus? Do you know everything about Jesus? Of course not. None of us do. There's room to grow in the Lord. But now look what he says. Oh, there it is on the screen. Philippians 3.12. To take hold of that for which Christ took hold of me. To take hold of that. You see, Christ reached out, Paul is saying, and it happened to each of us. Christ reached out and took hold of us. When we were still in our trespasses and sins, Christ took hold of us. By his grace, by his mercy, not by any persuasion on our part. I don't know why he came and convicted me of my sins, convinced me that I needed him. But he took hold of me. Paul is saying, to take hold of that, he says, and now, since Christ has taken hold of me, I need to take hold of him. Where, where's Phil Massa? Oh, there he is. That's all right. Sit down. <laughs> He's way in the back. You've seen hands, people grab each other, they grab here, that he grabs here, sort of like that. Christ took a hold of me. In the King James, it, Christ reached out and he grasped me. Like Peter was sinking in the water and Jesus reached out and grasped. When the, the word grasp simply means to link up your arms and digging your fingernails into the flesh. You're sinking, you're dying. And Christ reached out and took hold of me. Now Paul is saying, I need to reach out and take hold of him. That's why we're at church today. That's why we have small groups. That's why we go to Sunday school. That's why we read the Bible in private. We're reaching out and taking hold of Christ. Christ took hold of me. Now I've got to take hold of him. I have to try to find out why he took hold of me so that I can now reach out and take hold of him. Now look at verse 12 again. Not that I have already obtained all of this, I just read that in verses 10 and 11. Not that I have obtained all of this. Not that I am perfect. You see what he is saying. But I press on to take hold of that for which Christ took hold of me. 
Brothers, I do not consider myself yet to have taken hold of it. Friend, there's still room for the Apostle Paul to grow in Christ. I'm not there yet. Brothers, I do not consider myself yet to take a hold of it. But one thing I do, forgetting what is behind and straining. I'm putting some energy and effort toward what is ahead. I press on toward, and there it goes on. I read that, and I, come under, I came under such conviction. And I thought, dear Lord, how am I straining after you? How am I pressing after you? Or, or am I, to what degree, about 30% of my energy in life is into my Christian experience, or 40%, maybe even 50%. But the other 50%, I'm taking care of my net worth. How about my spiritual worth? That that is going to last forever. Do I really believe it's going to last forever? And that I'm part of eternity? There's some questions I need to ask myself. Okay. Friend, every person here and in the world is an individual. No one can press after Christ but you. No one can give their heart to the Lord but you. You're an individual. You are one of a kind. You're without duplication. You are unique. God designed you just as surely as he designed Adam. And then he designed Eve. Every one of us came from our mother's womb one at a time. Friend, you're going to be just as spiritual and as close to Christ and developed in the faith as you want to be, as you press on to be, as you strain after, as you reach out and take hold of Christ. Some of you are going to take hold of Christ today like you've never taken hold of him before. And watch what starts happening how close you come to his presence and his power and his strength in your life. God made you an individual. He made you a wonderful person. He had something in mind when he made you, when you came into this world. And then it all really started coming together when he reached out and took hold of you. Now he took hold of you so that you could reach back and take hold of him and go all the way, forgetting those things that are behind and going all the way to where God wants you to be and where he wants you to be. You're an individual. Now, one of the things as an individual that he has done for each of us is he has given us freedom. I mean, tremendous freedom. You can choose to do anything with your life, your days, your hours, if you want to. Freedom. Tremendous freedom. Pastor Morris will return in a moment with the conclusion of today's message following this important invitation to join us in worship this Sunday at the Largo Community Church in Bowie, Maryland. The church of friendship and joy where Christ is honored and people are loved. That's what you'll experience at the Largo Community Church. Live in-person services are now available for you to attend every Sunday morning at 9 o'clock. So we invite you to come to church this Sunday and experience a service full of music, hymns, prayer, and a special message from God brought by Pastor Jack Morris. Policies regarding sanitation, mask wearing, and social distancing are followed, and there's plenty of space for everyone to safely be together in the large sanctuary. 
If you choose to join us virtually for the live service, simply go to LargoCC.org at 9 a.m. this Sunday and click on Watch Live at the top of the homepage. No matter what way you choose to join us in worship, know that you're loved and welcomed at the Largo Community Church. Now, let's join Pastor Jack Morris for the conclusion of today's message. Now, here I am. I'm getting into it now. Stay with me, dear friends. The world is trying to squeeze you into its mold. And it's trying hard from every announcement on the radio, television, newspaper, your friends. Uh, the world is, is trying to compress you into what it thinks you should be. You should be this. You don't have that. You need this. And it goes on, keep telling you, brainwashing you day in and day out, year in and year out, life in and life out, what you ought to be. Now, Paul is saying, I need to be like Jesus, and I'm not there yet to where I want to be. Now, when I talk about the world, the world is trying to squeeze you. I'm talking about society, cultural, and even the religious world, the church world. I'm going to be as honest and as transparent as I possibly can be today. Because we need to know who we are. Know thyself. Socrates said. The man said, do you know who I am? He didn't know who he was. And a lot of Christians don't know who we are even now in Christ. Okay, let me show you what I'm talking about. There are classes of people, or not classes, maybe I guess that we could call it classes, or groups of people. Let's name just a few of them so you get what I'm talking about. Baby boomers. You've heard that expression? Baby boomers? The age of baby boomers, age 55 to 75. How about millennials? Have you heard that term before? Millennials. Sometimes referred to as Gen Y, ages 25 through 38. How about teenagers? They haven't been given a, been given a name yet, but they're now referred to as Generation Z. Now, when you go back into the encyclopedia, you look up baby boomers, millennials, Generation Z, it is already outlined what those groups believe, how they practice life, their political persuasion. It's all right there. And so many people are thinking, oh, I'm a baby boomer. I'm falling somewhere between age 55 and 75, and uh, I want to be part of the group. I want to be part of the herd. I don't want to stand out and be different. I want to be like my friends that age, so I'm going to vote this way. I'm going to be of this political persuasion. I'm going to have this idea about marriage. I'm going to believe this way about sex marriage. Look in the encyclopedia. Now we'll go to the millennials. That's age 25 through 38. The world, the culture, society, it's all written in the encyclopedia telling the millennials what they should believe politically, how most millennials are voting, and these millennials and these teenagers, the teenagers are not voting yet, most of the part, they're at least 18, they're being told by society, by culture, who they are. 
They're being molded. They're being squeezed into. And it is so prevalent that uh, it can be written out and uh, talked about, uh, put in encyclopedias. Then we look at the gen or generation or gen Z, the teenagers. Well, they're, even, they're pick, picking them up now at age seven through age 22. Age 70. And they said they're coming on so strong that they are more prevalent now, even right now, than the millennials. That uh, they're being told exactly how to live life. And these teenagers, teenagers want to dress like other teenagers. They want to think like other teenagers. They like the music of other teenagers. Everybody is trying to run with a pack. And it's even coming into the church. Now, the religious world or the church world is doing something very, very similar. The church world is now telling people within these particular age groups, the millennials worship one way, the baby balloon boomers worship another way, the teenagers worship this way, they have their own style of worship, they have their own music. Where's this coming from? Now, let me tell you something. The baby boomers never named themselves baby boomers. Millennials never came up with the name, I'm a millennial. I created my being a millennial. There are two men in America that are doing this, and we are buying it hope, line, and sinker. The two men, William Strasser and Neil Howard, came up with the word, the name, the nomenclature, millennial, generation Y. Two men. Now here's the Apostle Paul. Here are all the apostles. Here's the words of Jesus Christ telling us that we can live an abundant life. And these men are coming up telling us, hey, you're a millennial. You don't worship that way. You don't believe that way. You're not of that political view. This is what you're to believe about marriage. This is what you're to believe about same-sex marriage. Even sports. Baby boomers, millennials, teenagers. Now, teenagers, now listen to this. Teenagers, over 25% of Americans are now in that group between age 7 and 22. They're overtaking... Read it yourself in the encyclopedias. They're overtaking the millennials. And the millennials are going to fade out just like the hippies did years ago. Remember the hippies? Long hair, beard, the, the, the dress, the attire. Oh, they were here. We, we, have to, we have to comply to win them to Christ. We have to do different. We have to do it their way in order to get them into the kingdom of God. What would the Apostle Paul say? What would Jesus say? Jesus would say, repent and be baptized and wash away your sins. Jesus would say, for all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. The scripture says that there's no name under heaven given among men whereby we must be saved but the name of Jesus Christ. This is what the word of God teaches us. All the world has to do today is get our eyes off of Jesus. Not to tempt us with drugs and tempt our teenagers with dope. Oh, it's happening all over the area. 
and some of them are yielding to it, that all our teenagers have to do is say, oh, I don't like to pray this way. I don't believe in that passage of Scripture. And there's a lot of churches that don't believe in that passage of Scripture. And, and just get us... The devil doesn't mind us being a religious people. Not at all. The Scripture says even the devil knows the Scripture and trembles. Friend, I tell you, it's time that we know who we are. It's time that we take inventory of our spiritual life and know our spiritual net worth. We, we just, we're just drifting along with the stream, the current, relaxed, like on an inner tube, floating down the stream, paddling once in a while, you know, once in a while getting religious a little bit. No, friends, this is the real thing. This is serious. This, uh, say no. Listen, listen to this. Please listen to my, my scripture. I'm reading his scripture. 1 John 4, 4. You, dear children. He's not talking to sinners. He's talking to the church. Dear children of God, you are from God and have overcome them because the one who is in you is greater than the one who is in the world. You have the power to say no to sin, to that that is distracting you away from Jesus to that that is taking your time, your energy, your finances, whatever it is. The devil is a thief, and the thief comes to rob and to steal. But you have the energy. You have within you the energy, not in yourself. And you're not going to have that energy within you until you get the word of God in you. And all you need to do is have it. It's right in your hand. It's in every pew rack. Many of you have carried it in in your hand today. You have the strength, the inner strength to say yes. Just as surely as he created Adam and made him a distinct individual, each person here and each child that you have and each grandchild that you have are distinct individuals and they're making up their mind. And there's William Strauss and Neil Howe and a whole lot of others out there trying to help them to make up their mind. God, we need to rescue them for the kingdom, for the Lord. Jesus took hold of you. Come on, I want you to read it. It's the first one up. Read it out loud. Unison. To take hold of that for which Christ Jesus took hold of me. Can you answer that? Why did God take hold of you? How do you need to take hold of Christ? What are you doing to take hold of Christ? I mean consistently doing. Friend, that's our spiritual net worth. He took hold of me years ago. He hasn't let go. I think maybe sometimes my grip has grown slack. My arm has slipped a little bit. And then I have to grab back again. But as long as I grab back again, the Holy Spirit convicts me and alerts me and I grab back again. I must take hold of the Lord. I must walk with Jesus linked arm in arm. Not sometimes, but all the time. Because the world not sometimes is tempting me, but the world is always after me and after you. I must take hold. I press on. I strain forward. Friend, I come to the close of my sermon. I've given you what the Holy Spirit gave me this week to give to you. Come on, Christians, let's, come on, Jack Morris, all of us, let's wise up. 
Let's get involved. Let's draw close. Hey, we, we talk to one another, even to our children, a lot about church and how to do church. Maybe we ought to talk to the Lord about our children. Then talk to our children about the Lord. We talk church. We need to talk Jesus. But you can't talk Jesus until you have Jesus to talk about. Amen. We hope that today's message has been a blessing and has strengthened your faith in God. But before we go, here is Pastor Jack Morris with a special invitation. I want to thank you for listening to The Healing Word. I pray deeply that you are finding healing through God's Word emotionally, mentally, physically. You can be part of The Healing Word ministry by praying and giving financially. Others need to hear God's Word and receive God's healing touch, and you can be God's instrument in reaching out to them by supporting The Healing Word with your prayers and financial gifts. Friend, I need your help. I truly thank you and bless you in the name of Jesus for your prayers and financial support. Go to Largo Community Church website, largocc.org, that's L-A-R-G-O-C-C.org, for the mailing address and to learn more about the Healing Word Ministries. I'm Pastor Jack Morris. Be sure to tune in tomorrow at this same time for another edition of The Healing Word. Until tomorrow, blessings on you. Mm -hmm.